America. The powers within your vote. Upgrade America. Be sure and tell your foes. Share this. Upgrade America. Clean it up, coast to coast. Yeah. Upgrade America. There's still a chance for hope. What's up, world? Cameron Rock, host of the Upgrade America podcast and 2020 presidential candidate. I'm here with all trusted diamond special guests. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm all trusted diamond. And um, I am, I mean, really just honored to be part of this podcast. Oh, no. It's actually, I, I'm truly honored to have you. <laughs> And it's my first time doing a podcast, so, you know, I feel all legit with my headphones and you guys have your mics there and everything. Um, just a, a little bit about me. I am um, was in the corporate world. I have a background in psychology, a bachelor's of science in psychology, as well as a master's in sci school psychology. And I had previously been in that world of education for 12 years as a school psychologist and where I was working is where I wanted to be um, working in an urban setting in DC uh, public schools. So my heart and passion um, has always been to help and serve people and uh, just loving kids and being able to help families. And I did that. And then now um, that chapter kind of has closed and I'm uh, recently gone into entrepreneurship. Um, we're in a day and age of technology and it's just going, 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 and you can, pretty much, you can pretty much do anything um, with your giftings that the good Lord has given us. So I'm kind of in a space of transition, but also working on social media. So, um, and helping others to be able to do that as well. I, I just really just love encouraging people and yes, seeing you people do uh, You've helped me quite a bit in um, coaching me through this whole social media ordeal. And I do consider you to some extent a social media consultant oh. and advisor. So glad <laughs> to have you on, on on board for that. Didn't forget about you, CJ. Get into it, man. Mental, yes, mental oh, health. So yeah, that's just where I am right now, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into this uh, this topic that we're talking about with mental health. Awesome. I'm just CJ Dayslayer, normal guest, co-host. <laughs> and you're you're also uh, an advisor as well. Yeah, Very I'm classic. a provocateur. Without you. Yeah, all of that. So yeah. So, well, I mean, <laughs> mental right. health. It's like a very uh, sensitive subject. And yes. uh, one of the reasons why I, I, I wanna have this conversation, because I think our nation is in great need of mental health. And additionally, there's a, a lot of negative stigma attached to the whole concept of mental health. People are always saying, oh, this person's crazy, this person's insane. And these are really insensitive terms to use for people with mental health. Fun fact for all you viewers out there, one in five people have a mental illness or disorder. So, I mean, you do the math, you're in a room with 10 people, there's a, you're gonna bump into someone with who, who has a mental illness and you should take that into consideration. But at more, moreover, um, you look at the what's going on in the nation today, we have all these shootings, all this hate and animosity, and I really think a lot of this stems from the, the lack of mental health. 
but those are just some of my opinions. What do you two think? Well, CJ, yeah. do you want to go or? Yeah, like I'll just go real quick. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> I was having a discussion today with my neighbor and we we're talking about some of these topics. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think um, just as, a, as we've looked in probably let's say the past like five years of just mm -hmm. how the numbers have just um, increased, um, anybody, can it can affect anybody um celebrities and i put quotes with you know celebrities people who um that people look up to within you know um the the our culture pop culture mm -hmm. and um like i think of because i've also was in fashion as doing being a personal stylist and um and personal shopper and when I think of like when um, we found out about Kate Spade, you look at her life and she has dealt with, and as it came out more and more that she had dealt with anxiety as well as depression. And a lot of people are like, well, how could she, you know, why would she, you know, take her life? It all stems back to, you gotta look at where it goes back to a whole bunch of things let's just say i don't know her her full story per se but if you keep looking at how everybody who has done this mm -hmm. has taken their life that it stems back to a place of when you're looking at depression of extreme loneliness isolation um unworthiness and people are like how can you how can you feel that way because we can't see it, and when we look at mental illness or it's a disease as, as depression, um, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, You're absolutely right. They have a term called invisible wounds yes. that they use to address the, a lot of soldiers coming back from combat zones. And it, it applies more to post-traumatic stress rather than depression, but uh, a lot of veterans suffer from depression as well. And oh, as you definitely. mentioned, these are not, it's not visible on the surface. Yeah. And it is, it's there. It's, it's obviously, if you're going to look at the, the medical component of it and having gone through it myself personally, as um, dealing with anxiety, as well as depression and going through everybody's story is different. Um, just for my, myself, I was the type of person, I'm just, I'm just talking. Um, I'm the type, I was that type of person as, uh, perceived as the high achiever, the, the trying to be the perfectionist, um, for my family. I'm, I'm of my family. I'm the oldest of my brother and I, but I'm one of, um, 19, uh, cousins. We have a very big family on my, yeah, so um, uh, my mother is one of nine. So, um, and just coming from that background of within our family is, is we have very strong and dominating personalities, more so the female types as, as our grandmother was a very, very strong four foot 11 Antiguan woman, but she was a spitfire. And yeah. I mean, what she said, went and i mean i miss her here dearly but you had to to be that tough woman and you had to be the one to be able to carry and juggle so many different hats and give 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 
which of course that's just me as a female that's what we're we're supposed to do but where do you come to that place for yourself and be like how do i take care of myself so for me for my story it was like trying to be everything for everybody as well as trying to get so many so many hats and um it was more so to trying to live the expectations of for example for my parents um you know and and trying to meet those unrealistic expectations that i thought just within myself that i thought i had to achieve that it just built and built and built and built and when you're trying to build these unrealistic expectations you just get to a place of just digging a hole deeper and deeper and oh, I'm not good enough I can't do this I'm trying to be this for this person I look perfect on the outside but I am like wasting away just mm. emotionally um so you you get to that point that it's just like I got nothing else to give <laughs> to people and it just seems like you're just spiraling 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 and you can't like get a grasp on like how to be able to to like juggle everything and be and meet everybody's needs but when you get when you kind of hit that place yeah and it can go one of two ways and as we've been seeing you know as as just within the news we got people who are blowing up buildings who are shooting people these these um shootings people who are taking their lives yeah. it's like how do we how do we get here Well, you got to go back and and look through all the layers. So, you know, it's it is a lot. Um, but what I think we need to have more dialogue is is letting people know that it is okay to express when you don't feel okay, when you are struggling, when having this persona, especially for for um you guys it's like oh i got to be tough i can't talk about my emotions i got to be and i love that there's more people Took coming the words out. right out of my mouth yeah man. more men who are coming out and be like like podcasts that i've been watching um and in and, and other people who are influencers who are within this space who are like we need to break that down because that's not the reality of it so my problem with or something that i struggled with in, in uh, while i was in the military is I carried a weapon. That was my job. Like we were sec- me and Chris, we were security forces. So day in, day out we carried a gun. Like for 12, 14, sometimes 16 hours. But none here's what I'm saying. If you experience some sort of trauma, something where you would need to get some sort of counseling, you get put on a a DNA roster, a do not arm roster. It's a list that pretty much means you can't carry a weapon. If your job is to carry a weapon and because of mental health, seeking mental health, you can't carry a weapon, you are perceived ineffective at your job. And hence the culture is for a lot of soldiers to hold that in, endure all these traumatic incidences and shh, don't don't say anything about it. Some of my supervisors encourage me to encourage my troops not to tell the truth about their drinking habits. Like when you have to fill out these surveys, be like only say you drink once a day because if you drink three or four times a day or drinks a day or something like that is considered binge drinking mm-hmm. and then you have to go to this um this ADAP. alcohol counseling which will ADAP you right and they mm-hmm. you you lose your weapon. So it goes back addition to that there's that whole we got to be macho 
Mm-hmm. We, we can't, uh, you know, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't, you don't talk about how things affect you and you, you hold it in. And I think that's very unhealthy. I'm learning about that now, just discussing it with other people mm-hmm. and even doing this this podcast, speaking about uh, mental illnesses. It's therapeutic. It, uh, I couldn't you, agree with you more. You have to have, there has to be uh, a healthy outlet. And yes. if you are trying to, like, that example, for, I like i i give you guys like thank you for your service thank you for all that you do for what you guys for for all that that a serviceman and and woman has to go through and we're looking at it when you guys come back and it's Mm -hmm. like i like when 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 you came back I, i was just like okay how 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 do you transition back into to life how are you able to to how does that happen for you it's difficult because you've been over wherever you've been and where where you were i don't know if i if i can say where you had been but you were over there some of it's there and and and, yeah with parents and everything like that you are seeing a lot of heinous and just you know ridiculous stuff you're right and you can't unsee what you what you've seen and like, it's with you forever like during that that time like this is what kind of what my question is is like how do you how do how do you transition back in like what does like what do they do for you like psychologically like are you do you come back you come home and it's like hey i'm home hey chris you want to touch that one because <laughs> you came out you got out before me yeah, uh, well, during my time, I was in Afghanistan, Kabul. Um, I did a few months there. Came back. You're just so ready to get out of that combat zone to get back to normal life, which you would call normal life in uh, military terms. So it would be Germany. So that's where I was stationed at. So the first thing I did when I got back, well, when I got to, you remember Manus, Cam? Sounds familiar. It was in like Kyrgyzstan, but anyway, it was like a chilling spot. But anyway, we got there. You're able to drink alcohol for like the first time, like legally. Mm. (laughs) First thing I did was drink. Okay. Mm -hmm. After we got there, then we got to Germany. First thing I got off the plane, I kissed the ground. First thing. Oh, man. The second thing I did was like go to the mailbox, get all the stuff I ordered on Amazon, and then go out to the club and get wasted. That's the first immediate thing I did. And then just go from there. All right, how do I adjust to what I just saw? How do I adjust to just being here? I had a girlfriend at the time. She was German, so I had to meet up with her like within a couple of days. Then that dynamic, she saw me pre-deployment and then post-deployment. So she didn't know who this person was either. I had changed. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, so... I remember distinctly, like sexually, not being able to function. That's one of the first things. I was like, "What the hell is wrong with me?" Like, I remember that, and it took like pretty much like a business week for me to get that going. And then I was just trying to think about what's next. And then I'm about to get out of the military, so that's a whole another transition. Uh, so I'm you coming. deployed like right before, um, mm-hmm. right before separating, huh? Yes, and then I got promoted before I got out. So then that had me questioning, like, well, is getting out the right thing now that I got promoted? Mm. Okay, what do I do with this? 
now I'm like, what do I do next? So now I got all this going at the same time. So it was very difficult. So with that, can I ask, like, where mm-hmm. were you able to, all of that's going on. So that's basically one one situation to a next another situation to another situation that you say four or five different situations that you're trying to juggle trying to like uh-huh. process through as well as having been over there in Afghanistan and everything that you saw and you know experience uh-huh. and that what, what have you so I guess this what I, what I want to ask is like at that time with all that going on did you see a therapist or a counselor with yeah. Or is that part, so that's not part of like with coming out or transitioning back into Uh life. When when I left Iraq, it was, this is, uh, we made a stop in Ali Asaleem. That was like the closest thing to to the real world. Like they had a pool, they had brick and mortar buildings and we trashed the place. Like, we were we're all pumped up from the war zone. You know, everyone else in that Air Force base, they're all nice in order. We were pushing people in the pool, just flip wilding out, man. But yeah. um, we had our briefing there. They took our weapons. So that was like, we spent, what, 11 months sleeping with our weapons and everything. I felt real yeah. unsecure. Like, I felt yeah. naked with, I without, having, uh, without having guns on me. And yeah. they briefed us. And in that time, they asked us if we seen dead bodies, if we fired our weapons, if we did this yeah. or that. And they went through that screening with psychological or medical medical personnel, but I believe you had like the option or something. It wasn't mandated. It was more or less they evaluated you, and then if you wanted to see someone, they could. Yeah. You could. Yeah. But it, it wasn't it was mandated. What that wasn't a requirement for the uh, in processing back to your home base. I yeah. think that's necessary. I think I it, agree. it definitely I totally agree is, with you. is necessary for all that you have within your job, because it was your mm-hmm. job. Um, as And then coming back and just transitioning back into your life, to be able to process through that, to be able to have that time to, you know, go through, because that is what also to, we're seeing more of just within for you guys, um, for servicemen and women, those in the military, is you are seeing heightened um, uh, evidence of PTSD. Just, you know, right. It's actually the statistics on that is one out of every three service members as they experience post-traumatic stress when they when they return. So it's like. No, go ahead. What what I find what I find funny, and, and maybe I'll bounce this off of you, Chris, is like, okay. I didn't think I would have PTSD. Like, I went to Iraq in 2007, did a bunch of other operations in between, but it's like, I got out in 2012, and I didn't think I was going to have PTSD, or that I even had PTSD until I came back. And then once you have time to reflect on your entire tsunami of a, of a military career, it's like... And I mentioned the tsunami because it's like slow. It's like you're sitting back and all of that anxiety from years, it just, once you finally stop, you, you, you see it coming your way and you, you start to feel it. And then I was like, oh, like perhaps I am suffering from uh, some mild PTSD. But for me, it's it's more of like the hypervigilance. 
Like, yes. uh, we are That's in the security career field. We had to do a lot of night operations, and that means the enemy's out in the in the darkness. So every shadow that's dancing, I'm on it. What is that? Every noise I hear, I'm on it. We had to condition our bodies to be mm -hmm. hyper alert at yeah. all times, and I can't turn that off. Like to yeah. this day, uh, when I go to a restaurant, I sit with my back. I'm watching the entrance. I got my escape route planned, all of that, and it's like. Um, it's a, a bit of an anxiety. I manage it, but it's like I, I can't turn that hypervigilance off, and I do note that as a as a symptom of uh, PTSD. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to that's not a way to live. <laughs> no. So, sometimes I I I don't want to turn it off because it's like. Yeah, I agree. America's uh, America's it's wild. It's, it's yeah. not quite. A, it's not Baghdad. It's, it's not a Afghanistan, but it's a. It, it gets real out here, and if you're, you know, if, if you're not checking your six, your 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 back, watching your back, and if you're moving like a soft target, you you could get God out here. You could. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said soft target. Nah, I just when I heard soft target, I was laughing. <laughs> I mean, those terms are ingrained into uh, to my yeah. mind, to my mind, but they they make uh, realistic scenarios like you know. Well, what do you think, Chris? Um, I was going to bring this up, and I was like, we have an interesting dynamic. We're combat veterans, but we're also black male Americans mm -hmm. coming back to America. Yeah. Seeing the brutality, seeing just hate crimes, random hate crimes from ordinary citizens against us, women, men, and children. So for us, I know for me, like, it took me about eight years after I got out to actually really like relax. Mm. And now with the uptick of you seeing a lot of shootings and all this stuff, my things kind of crept back up to yes, a I certain level of awareness. Like, you know, I have weapons. I make sure I have them at all times. Like, like Cam mentioned sleeping with your weapon, like we had to do in Afghanistan, like he did in Iraq. Well, I sleep with mine now. Like, that's normal for me. Like, I remember it was a period where I had to pawn my gun for school to pay for something. Yeah. But that was, I was miserable because I didn't have my gun. I was like, yo, I got to get another gun ASAP. And that's what I, I totally, did. I totally know the feeling. There is a sense of security when you know that you can defend yourself. Now, um, yeah. given that what's going on in, you know, in the world today, I was in Walmart. And I guess somebody was yelling at their kid to get down from something. But all I heard was get down and then you know yeah. what does that mean to you when you hear someone say get down it's like oh get there's down. a live Part fire some ordinance is falling from the sky or yeah. a bomb is about to glow off and that's the whole terrorist scenario like my heart stopped to be in walmart and to hear like i was just like is someone gonna shoot this shit up or like um is, is there's a bomb gonna go off what's what's going on and then i actually tactically moved around the aisles to make sure it was clear you know, before I, I proceeded with my shopping, I don't want to say is that post-traumatic stress or is that still being vigilant because the threat is real. If, if you, you consider what's going on in, in the world today or in our nation rather. I'm that's, curious your thoughts on that. Um... I, that sounds like post-traumatic stress. Like you were in like a, like a super hyper vigilant state. Like, like, okay, I gotta, What's going on? How can I get out of this situation? How, like, your fight or flight, just like your body, like, 
I'm sure you just like kind of tensed up and was like, okay, boom, I got to figure out a way to get out of this. Um, and well, I wanted to confirm for one that it was not truly an act of uh, terrorism or an aggressive mm-hmm. shooter. But, yeah. and, but this is a reality. And I, and I know, like, as I mentioned, I, I do have some of the symptoms, but this is a reality. And, and perhaps those, those two things are, are conflicting what's going on in the nation and, and my previous experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... Well, let's, let's, I got some questions for you, for you all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> questions are good. Yeah, we like questions on here. <laughs> <laughs> Am I bad? I am a bit unprepared as... Okay, they're yeah. all over the place. So, how was... Well, I'll scratch my first question because we kind of already addressed it. It was how was mental okay. health viewed during your military career? Actually, no. I, you I answered that one, but I don't believe you did. Okay, i answer real quick. Basically, you were seen as weak, a scammer, mm. uh, get out of duty. I'm a lingerer. Useless, a burdensome, and defective. I agree. And that was, a, that was really attached to seeking mental health. I don't know if it was per design. Yeah to keep people from from going to seeking avenues because I think it would be a small amount amount of people who would abuse it. This is something that people really uh people really need. And now you you, you must can take into consideration the amount of people who've taken their life their life on duty on post. Yeah. That's and true I, too. I've, I've, yeah. I've heard yeah. about that. It's uh you're talking about isolation. Imagine being posted out in the middle of the desert somewhere, not a soul in sight for miles. And guess what? You have a fully automatic weapon uh, out there. You have all your thoughts going through your mind. Your significant other could be getting, could be cheating on you and, and everything else that's going home. It, and it's like, you don't want these people to, uh, to seek mental health. It, it's baffling. But um, I know that was directed more towards the military. Tressa, if you could... Uh, how is mental health, just in general for you as a civilian, like how is mental health viewed uh, for for in the corporate world, I suppose? Um, I think um, from just my own personal experience and just also being in the, the profession that, that and what I studied in um, just with psychology and just for, again, just for me, it's just like we try to give, give, give and we don't take care of ourselves. And I can say that like point blank. Um, uh, being within the mental health profession, you, you take on a lot of, of, of people's um, stuff, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I think for me, what I had to really work through for for myself is being able to kind of separate that i want to be able to help these people and i got my own stuff going on over here and you got to try to have those boundaries and that balance but when um you know stuff within myself working through um when it kind of like muddled into that space and saying okay i gotta take care of myself but it took a lot it took mm-hmm. years, like just within mm-hmm. my family, like I'm, I can say my age cause I'm happy about how old I am, but to be, well, 40, to not... be 44 years old, I- Old is just, a relative thing. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I hid my, um, my, my mental health issues for about a good like 20, 
20 some odd years. Wow. I hid it very well from from my family. I, I, um, people thought I was this extrovert. Like I can put on the good face, the good mask. Mm-hmm. And then inwardly behind closed doors, I was just like falling apart, like just falling apart. So what, 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 what stopped you from, uh, from seeking help? Um, was it like how you, was it the fear of like how you go, would be viewed yes. or like, yes. let's, let's go to, to that place. It, um, it goes, it goes back to, um, growing up, um, just within, mm-hmm. and it, it it is something within the African American culture is that we we keep things within our family space and don't talk about it. Don't talk about. It. Don't talk. Don't. You, people don't need to know our business. Don't. You don't, don't need to be the, talking. Don't air the laundry. Tell a little Sally at, at school about what we. No. Don't. You don't talk about that. And just for me, that kind of just built up. It's like, oh, who can I talk to about this? Who can I talk how how f- sad I feel? How, you know, I just feel so lonely. I feel yeah. I'm depressed. I am like having panic attacks and this anxiety is just crippling me. And it, that's, you know, that's where it, it, it started for me. But then it came to the place that I was like, it's affecting how with friendships, it's affecting me with my work. I, I more so it started as being like situational depression. Like I would go to work, do what I needed to do and then leave. But I wasn't giving 110% as I know that I could be giving of myself at um, just when I was going through um, my depression and anxiety, my sleep, I wasn't sleeping. I had like, I had insomnia. I had sleep issues. Like, tell me about it. I went and, yeah, into you know, a, an insomnia spell myself. It's not yeah. nice. And that was like, over a decade of and more so of that um and there's the correlation between that's part of this you know symptoms with um depression and um anxiety like when your mind is just always going going worrying about this worrying about my parents my grandparents my my family my my immediate family my extended family worrying about work am i doing good enough for my supervisor at work like did i get that report in and just thinking of these what ifs, like your mind is just always going. Um, so it's just like it. Am I answering the question? <laughs> like, I know I was, like, there's a lot that that I, I was saying, but how's it viewed? How's it viewed? Is that for just? It's like you have to be able to be this put together person, and it, it's in your mind as well as too is like how you're thinking the world is perceiving you is that that you're weak if you mm-hmm. talk to somebody oh why are you why are you complaining about that why are you why are you why why can't you get it together and it's cool to be able to get to that place finally to be like you know what it's okay to talk about how i'm feeling if i'm upset about this and pro- talk through it and process through it and have somebody a professional like I am I am being within the mental health profession I am a big person um, of therapy mm, psychiatrist counseling psychologist everybody we got social workers who do who do counseling and as well as therapy and 
once I started going to, to therapy, it was like, it has helped as well as too, I was on um, medication management as well, um, just with the depression because like my brain was not firing the neurotransmitters that will help me to feel better. Like with my serotonin, like that's, that's one of them. Um, so I was like, I'm okay with that. And you get that negative connotation, like, oh, you're on, if it's helping me to be able to <laughs> function oh, yeah. as well as feel better, yeah, I'm all about that. Um, you know, we get this this negative connotation like, oh, well, you're just on that and you're going to be on that forever. There's some people who need to be on it for mm -hmm. the rest of their lives. There's some people who need to be on it for a couple of years, for my, like myself. There's some people who need it for maybe a couple of months and then they're good. But you, you can't fault somebody for trying to help themselves to, absolutely to right. be better as well as to change for themselves and um, that's why i really want to diffuse all that that fear because i think to further what the most people what prevents a lot of people from seeking that mental health is how they feel their friends and family are going to view them like absolutely. oh like this person is seeking uh, talking to a, a counselor or psychologist like they, they they have mental problems and you know I, I think that's a big issue why a lot of people are not seeking that yeah i think too just just from you know experience it's like oh well there's there's that thought i was like why are they talking about this with somebody else i need somebody who is unbiased mm. who has the training to be able to help me process through what I'm feeling about that individual or individuals, be it at work, be it within family, because they're, you know, we're fine, you know, within families, families are, they're, they're, they can be difficult and, you know, navigating through them. And when you have resistance from a, a family member and you're trying to, you know, work through stuff be it with them or be it for yourself and you have that resistance that can't stop you you gotta bypass that person and be like okay i gotta help myself to feel better i need to be able to be able to give you know a hundred percent to my family and i can't have this thing still hold me back and like weigh me down so yeah that that whole fear it's more so it's about what other people think and that's what I had to work through for myself. It's like, oh, you know, like with 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 family members, more so with family members that I had to like really work through that that space and navigate through it. And then it just came to the point I was like, I'm talking about them anyways. I might as well, you know, just just push through it with this person so I can be able to deal with the, deal with the situation. I think a lot of times too is that we that fear is that we just we want to get the help, but we don't know how to get the help. And then we just feel like, oh, well, I'll just settle. I'll just settle and just remain in this state for mm. years and decades. That's, that breaks my heart that, that somebody would just settle for, for not being able to feel better about their situation and themselves and to be able to get to, to, to get that help that they need. I think because I've walked through it and, and been walking through it and, you know, am on the other side of that. And when I see other people, I'm like, ooh, uh, 
come on <laughs> come yeah. on don't settle because now, i don't know if i settled or if i was in denial like um i, I think you I were in some denial. i did some self-reflection and i did notice some things but maybe i, I was just like no there's no way there's no way uh I, I would have PTSD because again it's associated with weakness mm-hmm. and yeah. for me to be like no I, I'm not I'm I'm too strong to, to suffer from such an ailment like perhaps that's a you know I, I had that denial in there but I did notice some things you know in, in my life and um did I was I settling like I, I don't know. It's, it's a possibility, but I, I I get what you're saying though. Where you're coming from? I, I went through. Uh, I'll chime in real quick. I went through counseling. Uh, my mom really encouraged me to seek mental health help, and uh, went to the VA vet center and I did some counseling there. Then also, I remember one time I went to a I think psychologist, and we did CBT. Was a cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral. Mm-hmm. I like I prefer that because mm-hmm. I feel I feel more action orientated with that. Mm-hmm. Now, and, Willie, can you can you explain what that is real quick? If you could just uh, sum up what the the cognitive. What did you for you for you, CJ? What did your therapist like? What walk you through with that? Well, I went. I'm trying to remember what I went for though. It was something different, but I've realized how much it helped in general. So I forgot what it was. It was something like I went to a friend's wedding and I had this anxiety when I came back and I was like, why have this anxiety? And so I went and talked to the lady. She was really cool from Brooklyn. We were talking and she was, I was talking to my career stuff, like a little bit of everything. And I was like, man, this is helping. Like she gave me worksheets, stuff to read. We were talking through it. And I was like, oh man. This is really helping. She helped me identify things that I was overlooking. Mm-hmm. Um, with the counseling, I was engaged at the time to a woman from Turkey. And then the guy was counseling me, like, how are you uh, reconciling this with being in the Middle East during that time? And I was telling him through that. I was exploring my feelings with being engaged and being in a long distance relationship. So it was kind of like, a bunch of everything it wasn't really necessarily the ptsd but it helped in other avenues of my life that ptsd probably contributed to mm-hmm. yeah for me so, but i really yeah. enjoyed it. it's more yeah it's more just with it's just talk talk therapy but also actions putting things into actions of of with cognitive behavioral therapy yeah so which is good because you kind of have to put yeah you kind of have to put it into action you could we could talk 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 but also if you want to be able to have movement forward with what what you're you're uh, dealing with it's also putting into actions for you know if it's you know you have triggers of people who can be extremely toxic and like with their words <laughs> for for example like you know giving talking about that but also putting action steps of with with those people when you're encountering them uh, for example if it's if it's a coworker who is 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 that you're setting up the action is to set up boundaries as well as the words that you're speaking um 
to, to let them know or how you are able to respond when they say certain things of letting them go. Um, you know, those sort of things that would be like counting down, counting to 10, be like, okay, yeah. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> and, you know, to be able to to um, calm, calm yourself with that, as well as to be able to kind of just let go and not let that, that those negative words kind of like latch on you, but to be yeah. able to be like, let them just fall off of you. Um, so, yeah. What's the other questions, Cam? You had some more, right? Yeah, let me see what else oh. I got for you. I think we covered a lot of stuff, questions while I'm trying to remember. So- would easier access to mental health prevent a lot of the hate crimes and senseless violent acts that we're seeing out there today? Now, um, current events, where was the last one? I believe it was 12 people that were killed. Was it in Virginia? Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach? Now, it's like, now my understanding is that the gun person took their life or was also deceased. Yeah, I, I thought he got in a gun battle. Did he get in a gun battle? He engaged with the police? That I, that part I didn't get. All, all I thought sure was that... Uh, they've they've been pretty bad. Details. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I really didn't get the, uh, the details on that. But again, just looking at the situation, it's not... Um, how's the best way to describe it? These are not crimes of passion. Like, oh, like someone got caught there their significant other cheating and they killed them. There's not like, oh, they're they're doing it for money or this is just individuals going out committing acts of senseless violence and terrorism. And it's like, for what? Is, do, you, do you think this is stemmed to some sort of uh, untreated mental illness? Like would, cause here, here's what I concluded. Okay. Uh, granted, my, my age is only 35. I will be 36 June 21st. Mark that Welcome in your calendar. Club. I'm <laughs> getting there. 36 Club. But life is, no matter who you are, life is the most traumatic thing you will ever experience. And, and I would arguably say that everyone has experienced some sort of trauma. Whether, I mean, in, even in the military, ours may be on the spectrum, it may be a bit higher. But people who have not served in the military, I'm very convinced they experience trauma as well. Absolutely. And for it to go untreated, undiagnosed, and, and to not speak about it, like, um, Chris, I know we, when we were discussing the whole uh, sexual education and we talked about if kids who have been molested and, and such, if that went without being discussed or something like that and they harbored all these these emotions may perhaps that's what's manifesting out in society right now all these uh acts of aggression and and what have you and i only say this to say that i believe if people had more access to mental health it's i'm very grateful that veterans we have access to to mental health but everyday people need access to mental health even if it's only just a counselor just talking to someone because here's here's what i believe happens right you have something some sort of traumatic incident or something that you're holding inside and then you talk to your friend or you talk to your family member and they may not give you an unbiased professional advice that's in your best interest they might tell you yeah perhaps it is in your best interest to go do something violent or crazy or something like that and I think that's why we need uh, 
people need access to, to this. It's healthcare needs to be reformed, but this is a critical aspect of healthcare. And we need, need to find a way to get this for everyone who needs it. Yeah. My, uh, oh, oh sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, my quick response to that question was I said yes, in combination with socialization with different cultures, mm -hmm. with certain with hate crimes and stuff like I think it's a lot of they're not socialized with different cultures. Okay. They're in enclaves and bubbles of suburbia or rural areas or certain parts of the city. And with these people, I feel like they don't know enough. They just know enough from media, YouTube. But is that movies. enough? Is is no, the no. media because my understanding is that hate is a hate is a, a, a is a, an emotion that is it's associated with fear. So what mm. would put oh, so much too. fear what would put so much fear? The media would put so much fear into a to another person that they would want to commit acts of violence against someone just for their for their color, skin color and race and but, what have you like No, no, I, I don't was know. gonna add more to that. This is just Pardon. one part of what I propose. So I would say socialization with different cultures. I would mm -hmm. say resolving basic needs like food, water, water, shelter, love, etc., and incorporating family. Yeah, incorporating the family unit to the process of therapy. Like so, your whole family goes, and mm -hmm. you guys explore this thing. I think that would reduce the occurrences of stuff like that. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think uh, more because since, you know, just working in a school system and working with um, little ones, more so like ele elementary school, like hate is it's learned. You, you, you learn mm. to hate. You're not born to hate. Um, I agree. Um, and it's just teaching more socialization, as you said. Um, CG, most definitely and more exposure to other people, but also showing and um, exhibiting empathy. I think that's where we, we have definitely lost <laughs> and we need to get back is to teach empathy at a very early age. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting, like, you know, uh, as a time being um, in the school system, and seeing little ones come up like pre-K, you know, in elementary school, what have you. And just, it's like, why are you being mean? And you're like three, like, how are you, how do you know to bully at yeah. three? You, you, the words that are coming out of your mouth while I'm doing an observation, I'm like, are, are you serious? Like, come on, you know, that was taught from somewhere or, oh, I don't, right. we don't talk to a certain um, nationality because of what they have seen or what they have heard, seen on television, seen in media, on the internet, or what they've heard from other family members, older family members who have already given this kind of prejudice. Like we, we need to be, empathetic people and learn how to be compassionate people. Um, there are those who have who have come out just with these, the hate crimes or what have you, um, that they try to do, to place on, uh, well, it's, you know, mental illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. There have been some that it's like, oh yeah, that 
where where was the psychologist in this kid's school yeah. to be able to give this evaluation so that we could help this kid like that it wouldn't have gotten to this place mm. um you know but then there's just others that it's just like we've we've lost and and we need to 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 become more empathetic and more compassionate and considerate of people like mm, like take the time to actually notice people. A lot of these shootings too is people who have just have gone off because they had been bullied. They they had been basically, you know, they weren't seen mm-hmm. and or noticed. We pass people every single day. Like you smiling at somebody, somebody could be going through a tough time, like getting ready to go into that convenience or go into that school. And we just, by like passed and by because we're just so consumed in ourselves it's like taking the time to like actually like care about people like teaching people how to care again yeah that would be be, let's do that um and just education like i i what i loved about when i um went down to grad school to the DC area was that there are so many different cultures, there's so many different nationalities as well as as languages. Like, I loved that. Like, there, you know, you could be like with the Nigerians and then you have you have the Peruvians over here. And then, you know, it, it was just awesome just being able to be in that space and be with all these different cultures. And it's like, let's stop segregating and like, you know, separating each other and like become to learn it's just having conversations and be like hey what's your culture about let's let's talk about that but we get so within ourselves like Mm. why take the time why take the time to even want to get to know somebody else's culture or about them or you know their family like where they originated from I love that. I love. Yeah, hey, tell me, you you're from Sweden? Okay, let's talk about that. Because I, I think people. food brings people together. Maybe and we should have like people. a big food festival yes. or something like that. Food always works. That's what we have. Lost. I don't know. We definitely have lost that just nowadays. Like, if you look at the average American home, how many? families are actually taking the time to sit down and have a meal like i i, I was watching um i was what oh, i can't remember what i was watching but some news program that that was showing that and i was just like yeah that's true i know we we had dinner and we had to talk <laughs> and you know even with the craziness of all the schedules what have you like that's what's missing now like it's like you're floating like people are just passing in the ship like oh hey i gotta go here taking this kid here and i get it we are so busy but we gotta we gotta bring that back to find out what's going on when you have that time with the meals you can ask your kids hey so what's going on i'm not saying like it is happening in houses but we need to do it more like what's going on in school what happened out on the playground they're still going out on playgrounds these days um you know like and and talking and and then you're able to find out what's going on is little johnny bullying you know little susie you know you find that out that sort of thing 
I think too, just communicating. We we gotta communicate better, most definitely, because a lot of people, a lot of people don't know how to communicate when they're sure. feeling angry or frustrated or getting ready to, you know, pop off on somebody. They don't have those skills. Like, no, you don't. We don't need to be going into schools and shooting up places or you, no. Like, if you got an issue. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. It doesn't have to get to a hundred. One, it could just be at one, and let's talk and and yeah. diffuse it that way. So, but I I, do, I totally agree. I think if a lot of these people had that outlet where they could discuss, hey, what's what's making you feel like this? And as you mentioned before, people who are not noticed or mm-hmm. they 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 may feel like that. But if you have someone who's listening intently to you for a solid half hour maybe even a solid hour and taking in all your words everything you have to say then perhaps that person will feel validated uh-huh. they'll, they'll feel like they have someone to talk to because you know there are, there are situations where people have no one you know and if, if you have no one and you're, you're keeping everything to yourself you know that's uh what you hold inside can destroy you and sure. uh, Again, I, I'm I'm very grateful that veterans have that that outlet. But I think uh, the av- the everyday person needs to, and federal government, healthcare, private industries, we need to work and and try to find a solution to make that a reality. I have one more question. Oh, can I say say something just about that? Yeah, Certainly. Go ahead. Most, yeah go ahead. most most definitely. Like there definitely needs to like that needs to be like one on 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 any presidential candidates agenda is is mental mental health most definitely yeah. and just Check. funding the funding like it's so it's it, it just baffles me at times and just surprised me of like where we allocate money for like don't get me first, started a, <laughs> we won't we don't need it we won't have to go well, it. just when it's started. when it's coming to somebody's social emotional functioning their well-being like mm-hmm. that should be at the top that shouldn't be at the bottom of us like looking at how how to help or providing funds for like we're there's what eight billion people in the world okay like there's people that have to interact with each other other people you're with absolutely other right people so let's have something to be able to help them we have it for you know and there's healthcare, and that's a whole nother thing that we can talk about um, at another time but it's going to be like a three episode yeah, series so most definitely yeah. that that needs to be top priority like i am one that is like when i'm looking at a platform for for canada i'm like okay how are you going to help how how are you going to help those who are suffering from mental health issues mm. like what are you doing because that that is huge for me because somebody who's walked through that you know mm-hmm. there's so many people who are walking through that who aren't getting the help who well, feel as though it's because of well it's too much too much money for me to go to i was just to about to bring that up and if the if the private sector if the private medical sector can't provide a affordable mental health then i do believe it's it's the government's responsibility to step in and provide that and i know everyone has felt some type of way about the government providing services, but at the same time, um, 
some is always better than none. So I'd very much rather have people have government health care, access to government health care than to have nothing and that they continue to see this going on on um, going on in, in America today. But just yeah. Um, I have I have one more section of society and other people that probably get overlooked. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Men, women, and children who are in high crime areas mm-hmm. have PTSD. Uh, emergency care workers, like utility workers, firefighters, like all these people also. Nurses, doctors, with surgeons. People with dangerous jobs or experience death. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. These are people that are kind of overlooked because it's their job. Just like we were talking about our job, you know, holding a weapon, like prepare for combat or security. Same thing. I think all these people are kind of overlooked too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to consider. It's not just like when people think of PTSD, they just think of combat vets, but it's also like domestic abuse survivors, uh, sexual assault of, uh, survivors, people like that, you know, uh, migrant anyone who Anyone who experienced trauma. Trauma, right? yeah. It's, yeah. Um, these are things that I learned that it can take up to a decade, maybe even longer, to fully, uh, how do you say, digest and, and, and understand a, a traumatic incident. And yeah. this yeah. is... It's not going to heal, and these invisible wounds are not going to heal any faster or smoother without the assistance of professional mental health. And this is something, a priority I think we need to get to people. Yeah. Um, I, agree. Uh, my, I guess my last question was, and I'm, I'm, I believe we already touched on it, was what barriers prevent people from getting mental health? And I, I, for example, I said, fear and finance i say just judgment from your peers family Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's it really i think those are the key things cultural taboo like we discussed earlier Mm -hmm. so how do you diffuse that cultural taboo somebody got to take the first step my mom encouraged me to do it and i grew up like she described where you don't talk about your family business outside of these walls and I remember growing up being in these certain situations where if I did talk about mm-hmm. what happened outside of walls I would have broke the family up mm-hmm. social services all that so I had a choice to make snitch or disclose this stuff and break my family up or suffer a short term to get to the next day and we'll mm-hmm. figure it out so a lot of people are placed in those situations, especially at a young age. I'm the oldest son, so I had that pressure. I mean, when you were describing your pressure, uh, your pressure as being one of the oldest, like I totally felt that because I'm like, I was a perfectionist. I was expected to be a high achiever. I was expected to be model behavior, like all these things. Um, so those are other things to consider with the cultural taboo. Is like it's kind of. I hate to say it in some situations, but it's kind of for survival, not disclosing this stuff. Hmm. Now, I, I, I get what you're saying by the examples that you gave. So, wow, that's a bit of a conundrum there. <laughs> it sucks. I remember, like, you know, and my mom did her best and she thought what for that time, hey, do not talk about this because they will break our family up. Yeah. So it was like 
and I'm young, you know, imagine being eight hearing something like that or 10 or, you know, it, it happened through my school years. Imagine being that young, dealing with peer pressure and getting teased at school and grades. And and then you got this one real serious thing that can mess up your home. And but you can't really talk about it because it will break that's your a, home. Up. That's a lot yeah. to hold inside, particularly yeah. for yeah. a young person. Most most definitely like that. I saw that for the 12 years that when I was in in the schools, just exactly what you as there are times that we, we would get there would be a call that would be made to CPS mm. and the child would be interviewed. And I mean, after the fact, um, like kids would disclose, you know, you know, to me or the social worker as well as like, I can't tell you because I don't want my mommy to, I want to be able to see my mommy. You know, I want our family to be together. It's like you, you're just to hear that. I've heard that from kids, exactly what you have, have, have said. And it, you know, it, it hurts my heart that to put that amount of pressure on a, as you were eight, I, there was kids who were like five, four. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. that have to take that weight upon themselves of like, what I can't, what do I do? I, I can't say this because I might not see my, I might be taken away and put into foster care. You know, that's, that's a lot. That is just too it's much for a kid, you know, at, to the weight, but look at you now i want to say look <laughs> at you, you you know like you you've done a, a lot of awesome and tremendous and successful things for yourself but i know at that time you're probably like what do i do? how do i do this what what i do and you made that choice and you're able to do that do that and it turned out well, I don't know your whole story. I mean, that's all yeah. do that offline. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, all in itself. But book. I, I think we we hit the the, the major ones with it. Um, of it's it's family. It's that that fear as well as it's also you know finances. I know for me, like because of how my health insurance was for the when I was seeing my psychiatrist, I was paying out of pocket. I was able to do that at the time, but I know that there's many people who aren't able to 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 do that. Um, do, you, do you mind if I ask, because um, I am curious what the rate of, 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 of counseling is, like how, it, how much is one session? It, it depends. Um, I had I had a counselor as well as I had a, for my medication management just with um, when I was, uh, taking my medication for the psychiatrist. So mm -hmm. my my um, therapist for me, and it was cool how it worked out with her. It was like sliding scale. So what oh, okay. you were able to pay, like whatever you were able to pay, you mm -hmm. could for for me, um, for that particular person, that's just how she had set it up for her clients. Um, uh, ooh, that's a good question. What did I pay? I think it was, I think it was 50, but I, but I had an hour. I had a full hour. 50 for an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for my psychiatrist, it was much more. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. Um, what was the difference that they, that person could prescribe the medicine? Yes. 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 Uh, we're yeah, still yeah. doing. We're still having you know talk talk therapy, but he he that's his licensing as well as what he went to school for is to be able yeah. to administer med- medication. So um, the just the difference is she and she was a um, a social worker, a licensed social worker. Um, for when I was going through, when I was seeing my therapist for her, but for him, he was able to prescribe medication. So now what I would propose is that, and I know this is easier said than done, but we mass produce counselors, like find the ability to get everyone access to counselors. Like now if they, in the event that they need, the counselor feels that this person may need medication, then they would see a, a psychiatrist for just, you know, interacting with just uh, the, for medicinal purposes. But I think that would be uh, more affordable to, to get people uh, counseling. I mean, it's, it's, it's a start. Oh, mo- most definitely. But when you also look at it too, it's like people going into that that field too of mm-hmm. there needs to be more people there's i have worked with some phenomenal social workers as well who are also on the side have also done um private uh therapy as well and you gotta pay people you yeah you gotta pay people oh, and that's why i was asking you what the rates were because i'm like okay i mean there's an hour, so they're then... probably getting like 30 the, the, the with insurance and stuff like that who could yeah. say i know that money's going through a lot of different hands yeah and then there's overhead for if they're doing private practice but also looking to just like i i look at like um when i was within the schools like when you're looking at salaries for um with our credentials uh masters or bachelors for social workers um school psychologists psychologists clinical mm-hmm. psychologists you, you gotta pay people, and that's yeah. not one that you get what you, get what you pay, pay for. Yeah, yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, you you have so many people who are going to school for social work as well as psychology, mm-hmm. you know, in all the gambit of within psychology in itself. And then you come out, and it's like, oh, we're gonna pay them like I'm being this is low end, but it could be like thirty thousand a year. How? 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 What? You know, as well as caseloads, as well as what it all encompasses within that profession, within our profession, there's a lot that goes into it, like Mm -hmm. with any profession, but you have that, that there is like that, that human component of it that takes you to a place like you are giving, 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 um, and you gotta pay, you gotta compensate people. You're absolutely right. Because you want quality. You, you, want, you want quality like, help. When you have like caseloads of like a hundred, you know, some for, no. And, and that's what I was saying, we gotta find a way. I, I would hate to put the burden on just a few counselors. We gotta it, find a way to, to, to generate yeah. more counselors to, you know, to, to delegate that workload. Because uh, our nation needs it. It um, sure does. There's uh, people need counseling. They 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 need mental health. And yeah, I agree. I, I concur as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you got any questions for us? I mean, this has just been great. Um, 
Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of questions from you. <laughs> I I mean, I I really wanted to know that one and you kind of you guys have talked about it before. Like mm-hmm. I've always been interested in knowing about like that transition piece of of when you guys come out of the service or when you're coming oh. back from a tour. And like what that that looked like just for the 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 therapy part of it. I, I this is what I thought and of course I don't mm-hmm. know. I was just like, okay, well they come back, there's got to be of course there's a debrief and I'm thinking you guys are seeing somebody talking to somebody like once you get settled granted I, i've been out since 2012 i they, perhaps that's something that they've instilled since uh since my departure but I, I i we i haven't experienced anything in that detail and it's like but it's it's gotten to the point where it's just like this whole war machine it's just a process it's just like okay get them in get them out and then yeah. it's just rotating and it's it is it is what it is but um as i mentioned like while you're in a military career and it's high tempo high operations and one day you're on this side of the world and the other day you're on that side of the world it's almost like you don't have time to uh to process all the trauma it's not until you stay still for an instant and it's just like as i mentioned it's just like you look back over your shoulder and it's like it's coming but um the transition was tough like one of my buddies a dear friend of mine he actually went to he came he got out of the military he got a one-way ticket to costa rica and he just chilled out there for like a couple years he learned the language and he did his thing and then he came back but that that was his way of dealing with it that was his way of just getting away just just chilling on the beach you know for me I came home. I, I stayed with my mom for a little bit, but I needed to be by my. I needed to be by myself, so I went to New York, kicked it out in Brooklyn, you know, and uh, I took a lot of time to self-reflect. I learned how to meditate, which was very helpful. Studied that whole mindfulness, and it was being the whole sense of being self-aware led me to, oh, like perhaps you know there are things that I'm struggling with. There are things the you know there there are some some issues that that I should address and I went to some post traumatic stress groups that mm. was really helpful That's because good. it was like um there were older guys from Vietnam there are guys from all different campaigns oh, wow. and hearing their experience was just like one of the guys mentioned that you know when he closed when he closes his eyes he he sees the horrors of war and I have a brief experience off that cuz but it's not to the extent as as what this gentleman was suffering from I did speak to a couple of counselors one on one and I didn't get it at first I was just like mm. <laughs> like they would always tell me oh you know it's just talking as part of the therapy and I was more on a dy- I'm a dynamic type like I'm like no there's got to be a steps I got to do this this and that and then I'm good and I learned it's not so simple is like just the act of talking the act of discussing is like because you have all these things that are suppressed in your mind right and mm-hmm. if you don't find a way to release them to get them out verbally they're going to manifest in all types of ways i e either cancer or disease or sickness mm-hmm. or you know or, or other type of ailments and just taking that weight 
and, and releasing it and getting all out, it is therapeutic. Um, another thing that I do with music, I find that to be therapeutic because again, it's just, it's just breathing, it's releasing, all of that. But um, my transition, it, it was it was tough. Like a lot of people told me what they expected I would experience, like a, a sense of depression, and I was just like, who me? Never. And yeah, yeah there's a, a brief sense of depression coming out. Eight year military career. Um, got out under honorable conditions. I had what maybe two degrees. I had an associate's degree in criminal justice and a bachelor's degree in business administration. Thought everyone would want to hire me, but that was not the case. It was like when uh, one time I got rejected for a, a janitor's job because I didn't have the experience, in spite my my military career, and that was depressing. It was a brief sense of, of hopelessness. But it's, um, you know, just talking about it, being mindful of, of my emotions, knowing that I am in control of my emotions. I don't have to feel down. I can will myself to, you know, to, to turn up. Like, just being aware of that has, has been helpful, too. Also, um, Chris is actually one of the first pers- uh, one of the first people I've discussed person to person about PTSD. You know, among my military comrades, we have that sense of machismo. Machismo? Machismo? Yeah. Yeah, machismo. So it's like we don't go like, hey, remember that time when we we seen this in Iraq and guys got blown to bits and you know it, that was traumatic. We don't talk about that. You know, yeah. we, we we really we, a lot of um, people they they don't talk about their their experiences and they they hold that in. And um, Chris was one of the first persons that uh, we, we, we discussed that. Uncle Wayne, he, he mentioned uh, one of his incidences um, that he experienced in, in training. And, and he's a retired lieutenant colonel. And he, he's, he's been out for a while. And we just happened that we were talking about something. And then he, he came to it. And I'm like, wow, like he's been, he's, he's had that experience with him. For, for quite some time and I know discussing that was was helpful for him as well but I don't know I can, we, gotta, we gotta find a way to talking about it what are you saying no, I, said, I was gonna share I know she wanted to ask that as well um my path was kind of similar to Cam's um got out Air Force I got in 2008 so I get out I moved back to South Carolina where my family was my whole family met me at the airport that was awesome um, but then I got out when I got out, the recession hit. So now mm-hmm. I'm getting yeah, wow. So I go back to South Carolina, it's very slow where I grew up at for 10 years. It's rural, it's country. What so part now, of South Carolina are you from? Where are you? Uh, it's called Marion, South Carolina. Okay. It's, it's near Florence and Myrtle Beach. Okay, and um. So I get there, I'm dealing with depression. I was drinking a lot. Um, my family didn't know how to react to me. I can't be around fireworks because I got mm. out in May. So I got, you know, sure. 4th of July is right around the corner. Mm. And then in the South, they shoot fireworks mm. almost year round, depending on the And occasion. they sound very much like bullets and bullets. bombs. It's such an ironic yeah. holiday to honor, you know, our independence, but it's just like, it's almost as if they don't take into consideration the military veterans who fought for that freedom. Yeah. But all that. So, um, so I dealt with that. Uh, what got me through was music. Um, my old, 
my ex from Germany, I reconnected with her, moved to Atlanta for like a few months. I went to developmental classes for DeVry to go to college. Um, that helped me separate what I was doing, but I had a lot of issues that it was unresolved I didn't know about. Um, so she would kind of mention here and there, but she didn't mention it because she didn't know what I was going to react to. So she would kind of drop hints here and there. Then fast forward, I moved to Orlando, Florida. I've been there. I've been here going on 11 years. And that transition with Cam spoke to about being unemployed, unemployable was jarring to me. Like, hold up. Like, I'm unemployable. Are you kidding me? So, you know, I had unemployment for a while from South Carolina. Thank goodness for that. I had savings from the military. But that ran out in Florida because Florida, you got to work for all that social security mm. net. You got to like really prove that you need it. So I went through that. I moved here. I only had one friend from my first base who was a friend of a friend. So he was so busy with school and work. I was basically alone when I moved here. So I had to deal with that on top of my transition. I went skydiving before I got out. I was just doing that all was therapeutic too, though. Yeah, I, I did all this high risk stuff right before I got out of the military as well. Right. Also, I finally got counseling. Hmm. Um, my relationships have suffered. Uh, romantic relationships, I'm pretty sure, are due to that. Um, I'm still working on that, on that aspect. Um, it took me, like I said, a good eight years to really kind of settle in. But wow. I've had times like, uh, I'll give you an example recently. Where was I? Oh, I was at a friend's place for Memorial Day and I heard gunshots in the distance, his next door neighbor. It's very rural, but it was like right in the distance where in earshot. Mm -hmm. And Memorial Day, I don't know about for you, Cam, it's very reflective. I'm kind of subdued. I'm kind of taking in the day. It's not really like, yeah, celebrate. It's more yeah, like, I, I survived. Holy crap. Like, I'm taking it easy today. I'm grateful to be here. I so agree. I hear the shots, and I remember my fight or flight. I was looking around. I was like, okay, I know my gun is in my car. I know how to get to it. I know I can get there fast enough. Like, mm -hmm. that's what's going through my head. Um, but for me, how I've been coping with it, a lot of comedy, I love comedy, stand-up, uh, skits like on YouTube, IG. Um, I try to avoid anything very war-heavy because I'm very empathic by mm -hmm. nature. Mm -hmm. So I avoid anything that's heavily negative. Mm -hmm. And I figured that out during my self-discovery. I'm like, okay, if I avoid these things, I'm good. I don't, With, I don't own a TV. Because the yeah. majority of the things that come on there is heavily <laughs> negative. I feel I can control yeah. more of my media through the internet rather than what's force-fed to me through the TV. But I totally agree with you. Um, I I cried the first tear I shed in probably decades. And it was from watching the, the movie American Sniper. It mm. was just uh, the reality was just so... It was It was real. Uh, yeah. Clint Eastwood did a phenomenal job on that, but I agree the whole empathetic thing, and I, I tie that correlation to the how do you say the hyper vigilance, the hypersensitivity, and I think that increased my sensitivity to where I, I watch a film and I am 
totally submerged in there. The scene I was re I was going to was when um, the Navy SEALs were coming up on the roof, the sniper came in, then the guy got shot through the mouth. I was just like, that hit me pretty, uh, that, that hit me pretty hard. But um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with friends who have PTSD. Like Cam, I would talk to him um, before he was getting out. I would say, hey, this is what you expect. I had my friend Daniel. You did me for that. I'm grateful. Yeah. Thank you. My friend uh, Daniel did the same for me before he got it. If it wasn't for that, I don't know how I would have coped. He like gave me the blueprint like, hey, you're going to feel like you're just on leave. Then once that time is up, then you're going to be like, okay, what do I do next? You need to get a job or you need to figure out what you're yeah, going to do right. before that time hits. And then once you get your DD-214, which is our discharge paperwork, then you're able to do like everything. But you were kind of held hostage to that in the past when we were getting out. I don't know about now. I think you probably get everything instantly by now. Like, but uh, they let you do it a couple months before you separate. You can print your uh, your DD-214. Your DD you fill okay. that out so you get it, like, kind of ahead of time. But I totally get what you're saying because you can't validate your military service until exactly. you get that, get that paperwork. But you're, oh, you hit the nail right on the head, like, the way you described it. Like, yeah, you're right. You feel like you get out, you get out because typically we can get, like, 30 days of vacation in the military. So it's like when you when you first get out, you're right, you feel like you're on leave, you're on vacation. And it's like, oh, like, I can get some, some money coming in. It's definitely phases of it. And um, that time, you have a lot of time to reflect on your, yes. your entire yes. career. CJ, were you able to, like, pay that forward to others who were in the middle? Like, how that, that person did that for you to let you know, like, what's about to happen? Like... Mm -hmm. Have you paid that forward and done that for others? Absolutely, for those Besides, who, Yeah, like I know you did it for Cam, but like yeah. I think that's really, really awesome. And like that should be something that kind of like evolves into something bigger for- I think so, for, so it should be a program, like a buddy system yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that would be dope actually. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, y'all. You need to start a nonprofit, my friend. There it is. Yes, true, yeah. I know it's the, what's that organization? IAVA has all kind of programs. I don't know what. Remember, I, I sent you something for that, Cam, okay. before. I'll send a link or whatever, but it's, um, what is it called? Uh, something with veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. And they go and lobby or sign petitions and stuff to get bills passed for veterans, like for women, veterans, healthcare, uh, all kind of every issue that veterans face, they go up there and represent that. So I know that's one organization. I think Wounded Warrior is another one. Yeah, I'm not I've, I've with gotten them. in touch with Wounded Warrior. They're pretty cool. They run and a then, lot of different events. You got DAV. And I'm trying to think, but yeah, like other people, like you were asking me um, about paying it forward, definitely. Like as soon as I know they're getting out, I, I say, all right, where are you moving? I'll look up the information, like, hey, like uh, state requirements for like license, mm. utilities. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what you might want to look at. Hey, uh, file for unemployment when you get out. That's a lot of, another thing veterans don't know about. You're entitled mm. to that. Mm. Um, 
And that came in handy so much for living expenses and just readjusting. Um, what job are you trying to do? You know, what are you trying to do when you get out? Uh, this is the GI Bill, which pays for educational benefits. Um, have you gone to see about any disability claims from injuries from the military? Have you done that? Sign up with your local VA where you're going, where you're moving to. Um, I went to a VA in Atlanta and Charleston, South Carolina before I moved here. And then I signed up with Orlando. And um, that was invaluable uh, resource as well for medical appointments, screenings, like all this kind of thing. Um, and it, the care has gotten tremendous since I've gotten out. Now we have a like state-of-the-art hospital in this area called Lake Nona, which covers pretty much everything, I think, for uh, veterans. If you go there, like they can do operations, all that stuff now. That's great. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's awesome. I think I'm, I'm, I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> this has been this has been really great. Nah, I, I think you got you got a couple of things. Anything you want to shout out? I know you're, you're you're doing your you're doing your thing. You got your your business going. Like shout yeah, it out. Yeah, do that. Oh, <laughs> well, Cameron. If you, you insist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I am. Um, doing a social business online i am doing it on uh, facebook as well as getting into good old instagram and it's just you know um promoting uh uh what is it promoting anti-aging products that that are in the realm of um, mm. health and wellness as well as skincare beauty um we also have um the philanthropic part of it too is what I have a heart and a passion for that we're able to be able to within the, um, the company that I partner with to give back um, pretty much just globally. Um, I, I've done mission trip. I've gone to like Africa and Haiti and different countries. And I mean, one of the biggest um, issues is, is, is poverty is feeding is feeding people people being able to have um food and i mean that just kind of you know i don't like to see somebody who doesn't have something to eat be it here in the united states where i i saw it every day with kiddos who were coming they say about 50 million people in the yeah. united states are yes. affected by hunger that is also on my checklist of uh, presidential yes. objectives Absolutely. and i find that mind-blowing that it, in america it, yeah that, it blows his mind i couldn't imagine what it's like uh in other nations you know in, in third uh developing countries as well and to part of two was why i went into um the areas that i the schools that i wanted to to be in i was thankful that you know there's there's free lunch they they were able to get three meals a day but a lot of kids who go home, they're not eating, <laughs> and, you know, and then they come back to us and it's like, yeah, if they're able to get to school in time, a lot of our kids were coming in late, nine, 10 o'clock, you're not getting yeah. breakfast and yeah. you know, being able to, to supply food for our kids. But I just like, it baffles my mind. Like we are one of the richest countries in the world and why is there gdp is number one why yeah why why is there why why is there poverty why is there homelessness why are people being fed um 
So, you know, that's just, uh, just on my, my heart as, as well. So, um, if you want to find me, you want me to put out my, my handle? Yeah, yeah, throw it out there. I'm going to put, I'll put the text on there so they can see. Okay. You know, um, please, so by all means, let us know. It's my, um, my website is all trust a diamond, all trust a diamond dot uh my new and w- there's there's products on there like that are i use as well as i i wouldn't promote something that i haven't used myself or i know of others who have used it and have ha- are loving it and that has um provided benefits for them as well um and you know it's it's about yes having a business but it's also about how we're able to help each other and help other people um i think we can kind of get focused on oh well i gotta gotta it's about yes it's about money money is a tool of course but you gotta check your heart and how is this helping people is it helping to be able to provide of course bring into my family as well as to be able to help to bring into other people's family but also to to be able to help others here in this 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 country as well as globally like part of it too is I want to be able to um go to these places like yeah I'm here in the United States yay I love traveling um but I also too want to be able to go to other countries and be able to um help as well as support other people in their countries to be able to build their businesses too um so I want to take it worldwide friends and right yeah right now um with the, the company that I partner with we just opened up a new um a new country in Peru. I like s- South America is where I want to be. <laughs> you yeah. know, so um, I just I love. My list. I love. Got to check out Venezuela first, though. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're there as well. So um, I that's where I'm at, and I just I, I Cam knows this about me because. I know we haven't really said it, but we are family <laughs> and, oh, you know, just part, yeah, just part of it is that I am, I love encouraging people and, and inspiring people. And Kim knows this too. Like I, she is the one who, okay. So I was kind of like halfway between going air force guard reserves and then just staying, staying in PA and going to college with the air force reserve path. Trusta convinced me to go active duty and I have not, I haven't regretted it. Like, she's like, yo, go see the world, go out and get the experiences and, and it's it's going to enrich your life. And I, I'm, I'm truly grateful <laughs> for that advice. As I mentioned, she still gives me advice to this day. Okay. So definitely oh, she's oh. on the on the advisor panel. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cam. <laughs> Oh, like you. every i mean every time like when you when you say and i remember like us having that discussion and stuff like that and to to be able to see you doing what you're doing now it like it it just it makes me so happy and so proud like what you have done in your life and what you working started yeah and i'm just i'm just saying too like where you're going too so like that's part of me too is like i just there's so much potential in people and there's so much greatness in people and we need to surround ourselves with people who see that in see, in well, each other like i see I, it in I'm, I'm surrounded by some great people yeah, right and now i just met cj and i'm like oh 
there's more there's more here i need to know more about him um and you know with what what you're doing and if we we like link arms like there's so much gifting and skills that we all have but there's things that keep us hold can that can hold us back from like you know leveling up within our greatness and potential and i just want to be one of those people to make an impact and contribute while i'm here on this earth so you're doing it and you're doing it and i'm doing it so let's dick you're doing it cam you better tell Talk to your friend. Tell him he's not trying. You're doing it. You're the co-host of the, the greatest <laughs> podcast in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I just want to, we're hitting uh, an hour and 30, so we're going yes. to wrap it up. But I just want to thank everyone for, particularly I want to thank you first, Trust, for coming on the show. And second, my, my wonderful co-host, always doing a, a great job. And uh, everyone else for tuning in. We really appreciate it and, and the feedback we're getting as well. Check out the Upgrade America mobile game on iTunes and also on um, on Google Play. I know it's hard, it's difficult, but so is running for president. So, anyways, <laughs> once again, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Bye. Awesome. <laughs>